Man, earn nothing, receive everything. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> earn nothing, receive everything. <sighs> right, now, I'm a wreck, yes. Uh, you could tell earlier, but man, I don't mind being a wreck for him. He's, um, there is just, there is no one like And um, And uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, From the beginning of time, love has revealed itself relentlessly, repetitively, and it will just continue through the ages and generations, relentlessly repeating itself until every heart, hard or soft, hears it, and it won't stop. It won't stop. And this love, it's been grieved, it's been mocked, it's been rejected, trampled through history, Yet it powerfully proceeded with its redemption plan of wholeness. Powerfully proceeded on, regardless of what happened to it. Because it, it is a relentless, repetitive love. Never fails, never ends. As I was saying earlier about that repetition, do you know where repetition comes from? It comes from a heart that's so deeply inspired and in awe of what it witnesses. I was thinking in the week about um, the, uh, it talks about the, the four living creatures all having six wing, wings and full of eyes, which actually speaks of its unceasing watchfulness. All day, all night, all they say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Day and night, day and night. It says they never rested. Here's the thing about repetition, though, that comes from an inspired heart. It doesn't ever run dry. Its source of life continues, continues, and it is an absolute rest that it can repeat itself for eternity because of what it is witnessing. And honestly, the word witness to me And for the rest of my life, day and night, I will witness about it, that Christ brings the dead to life, that he takes the withered to wholeness. It's as real as that. Pumps, my heart palpitates, my blood runs, because he lives in my heart. He lives in my heart and it expresses itself through. And glory to glory will never be the same again. We were singing that last week, and I looked at Joe, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> glory to glory, this is it. Like, this is just, this is what we'll be singing. This is what we can sing. I could, I could sing this for days, but y'all don't want to hear this voice, so I'll save, I'll save you from that, y'all. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, with the repetition, it... Every time we repeat how good he is because of who we're witnessing. It's not that false thing. It's a real thing, who we see we witness. And it, it almost convinces us again and again on deeper and deeper and deeper how good he is. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And, you know, life hasn't always been this way for me, but this is the effect of his redemption work in my life. The gospel I received propelled me into 
this divine knowledge of experiencing him from the inside out. And I remember just like yesterday, and I don't know about you guys, but I remember the days when I was worn down, withered and dead in my sin, having a hardened heart too weak to love, too weak to love, as much as it wanted to. It was too hard to have healthy relationships. I remember that day like yesterday, and actually he reminds me, he reminds me of life before him, not to condemn me, but to repeat and remind me what the effect of the gospel, the power of the gospel has done a contrast work in my life, day and night, life and death. Man, it's okay to be reminded. In Christ, no condemnation. We, I love grace, the enablement of grace into the life of Christ. But let me tell you, of equal value, mercy. 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 For the God who looked at me in my sin, earning nothing, having nothing, and saying, you're mine. Here's a crown. <laughs> Oh, wow. You know, in Revelation, it says, they sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And this most interesting verse says, and no one could learn this song except those who are redeemed. You can't learn this song, but you can know it if you are redeemed in Christ. There is a song in each of us if we have been redeemed in Christ because we share in the love of God and the experience of Christ's work in us. These are lyrics you can't get from anyone else, guys. Can't borrow those lyrics. It comes from the genuine work of your soul, your heart being renewed, your mind. So when we come here and we gather, which is, I mean, there's nothing like it, but you have a song. We all have a place and a position to partake. Partaking in Christ gives us a position and a place and something to offer, and that's the redeemed song in your hearts. It might be different lyrics, might be a different tune, but it's one sound, the sound of heaven. And one day we will all be together in the fullness of what we know today, singing that song of redemption. Those words, here's my song, that's what I'm talking about right now. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. See, love loves the remaining factor. Love eternal, love God continues. The spiritual gifts, how wonderful they are. They are tools. They are tools to perfect love in us. It's almost like his investment into you of the Holy Spirit to remind you that it's going to come into its fullness. And for now, love one another. Equip each other Be perfected, mature in this love. 
That's why the spiritual gifts, they're beautiful, but it's pursued love, desire gifts. See, love is central to the whole of creation. Creation was birthed out of love. Just as the heart is central to our being, our hearts are the dwelling place where Christ and the Spirit live and make home. Yet it doesn't have to live here to know this heart. Okay? So I'm talking about people who don't, haven't accepted him, but God knows every man's heart. And he sees into the innermost being where all our decisions about him are made. He doesn't judge the actions or behavior, but he judges straight into the heart. He perceives in the heart exactly what the heart is meditating and thinking of him. You see, we can think that decisions are made from the mind, but actually... Today, scientists are beginning to learn that the heart is more than a physical organ in itself, but it actually has a mind of its own. And the heart actually communicates more to the brain than the brain to the heart. (laughs) Sorry. It's the seat of one's personal life, feelings, desires, the center of our mental, moral activity, containing the rational and emotional elements. But why am I harping on about the heart? Well, it's because it's the home where love lives. It's from this place. It's from who? Jesus, who is love, ministered from. And it's the same place in which we are called to live from and minister from, as opposed to the head. Because listen, the head is the place that houses the hardened heart. Do you know why? Because the hardened heart has no other option but to live there. So thoughts and feelings, emotions, all of that is absolutely right. It is of our natural makeup. But where Christ dwells is where it informs every one of those things, taking them just from a natural thing to a supernatural, divine way. As we know, Jesus had emotions. Okay, and we're going to see that in this example. All right, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn to Mark 3 with me, please. I'm just going to give us a bit of context while you're finding that. This is leading up to a story where Jesus has had various and countless conversations with the religious authorities about healing, eating, drinking with sinners, and rules around the Sabbath. And it's pretty much these conversations of love versus legality, where the disease is a consequence of sin and things like that. But Jesus is about to get to the heart of the matter and answer every lifeless question, really, um, with a stunning demonstration that his heart is for wholeness, for wholeness. So it says, and he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. Are we there? Sorry. Oh, yes, Mark 3, 1, it's the first line, first verse. So Jesus, he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And they watched him closely, whether, this is the Pharisees, were watching Jesus, whether he would heal, 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 I'm not going to try that, heal him, you know what I'm saying, South Africans, right, heal, yeah, heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. So let's set the scene here, okay, we've got this man with the withered hand. 
And because of beautiful repetition, we can find that in Luke, it was the right hand that was withered. Now, there's something about this detail of the man's right hand being withered, because for some of us, majority, our right hand is the strengthened hand. This is, this is the hand we, we use more often. Um, and so for this man, it would have probably affected his, um, his enablement to work and his breadwinner, really. And so it's useless and lifeless. And he, this is this man with this withered hand. And also what's interesting is, you know, with, with the human body, the hands are seen as an instrument for man's purpose, to accomplish man's purpose, right? And so there's this, this man, and um, now he's sitting in the synagogue, <laughs> probably seen as a burden to society, insignificant, um, and where the, the Pharisees are layered in their amazing attire, seen as royalty, sitting there watching critically, very close at what Jesus is about to do. Is he going to break the laws of the Sabbath? That's the question that's on their minds. So this man is probably quite happy to be hidden and of no hindrance, okay? Um, And then, of course, we have Jesus in verse 3 who says to the man with the withered hand, step forward. It's like me saying to one of you out there, hey, step forward, (laughs) you know? And um, if we can imagine how this man is feeling, the blood rushing to his face, cheeks going red, oh, no, don't point me out. And uh, already feeling useless, incapable, lacking ability, feeling like his wasted hand is a sign for everyone to see that it's a wasted life. Okay, if we can imagine how this man is feeling at this point. And now he's being summoned forward to stand up and make himself seen as exactly as he is. There's no hiding. Stand up exactly as you are. When Jesus speaks, he's calling you as you are. Hey, and listen, he hates covers. Honestly, I was reading the other day, it says, when you're training your senses in righteousness, it means to train naked. I know you're all looking at me like, what? Mystery? I'm like, that's no mystery to me. He found me naked (laughs) on the floor. Ezekiel 16, that is my personal reference point in the book that now narrates my life. I see myself in there. That book tells me exactly what's happening. I'm tracking. (laughs) Are we tracking? Train naked. Why am I talking about that? Train naked. If you remember anything, train naked. Heard some good marriage advice. When you fight, fight naked. <laughs> anyway, moving on. My husband's going to hear this. He's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> Take the advice, boy. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Anyway, just kidding. Okay. Um, so stand up. Make yourself seen as he is. And so now it's all eyes on him and Jesus. Okay. All eyes. And um, this man, you know, when the red letter speaks, you're about to have a red letter day. (laughs) You're about to have the blood-stained letters mark your day on the eternal calendar. And your new life is about to start. The day you were born again. The eternal birthday. 
Guys, I, I hope that the day that Christ came into your heart and absolutely radically shifted you from death to life <laughs> is marked on your calendars. Mine's coming up, 27th of September. Cannot wait. Hey, you guys want to hang out? No, I don't. I want to be with my Savior, and I want to thank him for what he's done in my life. Red letter, man. Red letter. You live off red letter for the rest of your life since that red letter day. Okay? And this is about, this is the man's red letter day. Salvation is coming. You've got to love it. This is like my favorite entertainment, is to watch God doing things around me with people. I'm like, ooh, what's he going to do here? Sneaky, sneaky, Jehovah sneaky. They have no idea he's coming. That flesh is about to get trumped. I know it because I know it. My flesh did not stand a chance when he came. My flesh didn't cry out. My spirit cried out. My flesh had no idea what was going on. Oblivious. Flesh is oblivious to the divine. The Pharisees in the synagogue, they were, they were dull to the divine. They had no idea who they were dealing with. But this man with the withered hand, we're going to see what happened. Anyway, so, <clears throat> Jesus needed on this particular Sabbath morning was somebody to work upon, somebody who he might heal and defy the traditional legality of the Pharisees who said it was wrong to heal on a Sabbath, okay? This is, this is what's going on. This is what they're contending for. And to highlight that Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. And Christ did not want their health that morning. He didn't want greatness that morning. He was looking for the, the sick, the ones that were in need to display his glory and his power. And from the outside, we would think, you know, it's a good picture. It's a, it's a good opportunity for God to heal. It's a good opportunity for God to demonstrate, you know, that, that he can heal a man's withered hand, okay, and to show to the Pharisees what it's about. So verse 4, then he said to them, is it lawful, Jesus said to them, to the, to the uh, Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or kill? But they kept silence. Now, imagine with me, this man, poor man, is standing up while Jesus is having this confrontation with the Pharisees. And you can imagine a man being like, can I just stay out of this? Can I just not be here? Yeah, can I just, you just carry on? But, But Jesus didn't just have a point to prove. He was about to demonstrate something without even words. And those with faith would see it. And we can imagine this man sitting there going, okay, is, is Jesus going to heal me today on the Sabbath? Because if he does, like if he, if he asks anything of me right now, either I'm going to be agreeing with the Pharisees and say, no, I don't want a healing, it's the Sabbath, or you're going to agree with Jesus and be healed, Sabbath or not. I'm not talking about another man here. I'm talking about us. Okay? Who's informing our lives? Who's speaking? Whose voice is louder? Are the red letters, the commands of the red letters, are we, are we hearing that? Or are we too worried about what others are thinking, what others might perceive as right or wrong? Verse 5, and when he looked around at them with anger, this is Jesus, 
Being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Now I want to stop here and sit a little longer in this. Because God stopped me dead in my tracks when I was reading this. Jesus was angry. He was showing this remarkable emotion. But his love is fervent. Fervent talks about a spiritual temperature, high temperature. And love is fervent. And can you imagine being in that room and the, the temperature in the room? Oh, but, you know, Jesus was in the room. Well, Jesus is in me. He's in you. Do you feel fervent? Do you have that high temperature, the spiritual temperature that you are internally aware of what spiritually is happening, not physically by what you're seeing? Now, why, why do we think Jesus was angry? Because there's some, something so much more deeper and profound in this statement than the idea that Jesus was just about proving a point to the Pharisees. Or that he was angry because of their silence. But in fact, he was grieved. He was grieved by his own creation. He was grieved by their hardened hearts. It says, when, when he looked around at them in verse 5, let's take this in, that God... This is God, the creator in flesh, who is not just highly involved, but personally involved in the history and the heart of mankind. And he's, he's, he stands there before his own creation, before his own creation, grieved in his heart by what he's seeing. And it took me back to Genesis 6-5, where it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of humankind, and it was so great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their heart was evil continually. Continually. So this is, listen guys, Jesus didn't experience one sort of grievance of the heart. Trampling on. Mocking. This was the history of mankind, again and again, his creation Rejecting him. And said, The Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I've created, people together with animals and creeping things, birds of the air. Listen to this, for I am sorry that I've made them. Leading up to that, there was a man who, who said to his wives, This man injured me, so I killed him. I see that every day. I'm injured, so now I'm going to destroy you. It's the state of society, people devouring one another. War, chaos, abortions. I mean, this world is deteriorating. But where does it come from? The heart of man. And who who can heal the heart of man? That's right. 
The earth is yearning for the children of God to be revealed, and it's groaning under the weight of sin, waiting to be liberated from bondage. Right? We're seeing people's rights are more important than lives. I, I can't believe I'm seeing this. People's opinions are more important than truth. How God has grieved over his creation over time. But listen to this. Yet his love did not fail. Grieved, yet his love proceeded with the redemption plan, then and now. And now we're in a different stage and part of this redemption plan. We know that Christ has done the redemptive work, but there is this calling of the church for today. And we're going to see more what that looks like. Jesus is about to reveal to the Pharisees and to the man with the withered hand that they are actually, in fact, intricately involved in this age-long redemption plan and may be the instrument he is calling for to accomplish his purpose on the earth and for eternity. But first, he must be made whole. This man with the withered hand. He must be made whole. And it starts with a command. Okay? It starts with a command, which leads me back to verse 5. Sorry, give me one minute. Are we doing okay, guys? Here we go, great. Right, back to verse 5. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Okay? Verse 6, and he stretched it out, and the hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, I don't know about you, but it's sort of like, why didn't it just say, and the hand was restored? Right? Hand was restored. Healing is done. Jesus healed another man. It says it was restored as whole as the other. See, guys, this is not merely a miracle, a healing of a hand, but it's a work of wholeness and a work of equality. <laughs> okay. Probably like, equality, what are we talking about? Look at Mama Vera, she's totally tracking. <laughs> One hand as whole as the other. Okay? That word other means one besides another of the same kind. <laughs> Jesus uses this word, elos, which equals one besides me and in addition to me, but one just like me, one like the other. Okay? The word restored in this context speaks of one that was once separated, that was taken away by destructive or life dominating power, is restored to its. <laughs> Original position and condition. Oh man. To settle to settle that miracles are about physical healing is the standards of earth. To know that God's purpose of transformation and wholeness through the signaling of miracles 
of the miraculous work at times is the standards of heaven. Human love will only reach to a point. God's love is concerned with the entirety of man and mankind. Man being made whole as he sees whole. Okay, this is big. I think it's too, it's too easy sometimes for us to look at our lives and think, I can't do this because of this, or this need needs to be met in, you know, in order for me to, but no. God is about wholeness. And, and what he sees whole is what we get to rejoice in because it's perfect. It's perfect wholeness. There's this little this story about this little old lady who lived in a cottage. And um, she had nothing but a piece of bread, a little bit of water, and she lifted it up and blessed it, and she said, this and Christ? Wow. And, you know, my mind, I think, years ago, I used to think, oh, going to a third world country, you know, what would I offer them? And coming from having so much compared, you know, what, what could I offer them? But that is such wrong thinking. That's needs met. The, the power of the gospel is a whole work. Doesn't matter what need we're in. Look, everyone has needs and it has different extremities. And, and I'm not saying doing that thing is, is, is bad. What I'm saying is the gospel is the wholeness. Every heart needs the power of the gospel. Every heart, every life needs that. You see, God desires his church to be made whole by his hand that saves. In order to use her as an example to the world and an instrument, remember the hand is an instrument to accomplish purpose. In order for him to um, use the, the, the church as an instrument in his redemptive work, she must know his work in her. She can't minister something she doesn't know. And that work starts in the heart. And the first work is to believe. Just as the church is the heart of society, the work starts with her first. That is the only way she can display his glory. Now, about nine years ago, I broke my arm, um, and um, we, we, people prayed over it, and it was healed completely. And uh, I went to the doctor a week later. Um, we decided not to put a cast on it because I was flying out somewhere and I wanted to be there and not waste time putting a cast on. <laughs> it's faith right there, but I didn't know it. But anyway, and um, my, my arm healed. I knew it had healed. I could do things that I couldn't do prior, the, the, the prayer. And um, Kirk and I went to go see the doctor who uh, had the the x-rays before, and then took new x-rays. And I'm sitting in the office with this doctor, and I'm like, look, my arm's healed. <laughs> he's like, mm. yeah, okay. And he's like, we're going to look at the, the x-rays. We're going to look in your arm, and then we'll see. <laughs> right? And he had the x-rays in front of him, and these were his words. Are you sure they x-rayed the right arm? <laughs> okay. Not just a miracle, this is what God does. He makes one like the other. One like me, but addition to me. 
And he has x-ray vision. He can look in and see the condition. And we can say, hey, I'm healed. I'm whole. And you might be, but hey, x-ray's looking in. Wholeness. He's about wholeness. Love is about wholeness. It's not in parts. Remember that. It's perfect. The imperfect will pass away. Perfection. The word other shows similarities but diversities in operation ministries, as the right and the left hands are. Just as any partnership are two equals but with different functions to accomplish what's at hand. (laughs) Oh, man. Don't talk to me about equality like today's equality. Seriously, like, guys, equal quality. Christ has given us equal quality. (laughs) Am I worried that someone's getting paid more than me because I'm a woman? No. We, we have to allow God to start redefining things. Because the world will keep us withered, guys. That man with the withered hand, he had an option. At that, at that point, he had a decision to make. Am I going to stay in the hands of the men who want to keep me withered? Or am I going to be set free by the divine in front of me? As the man with the withered hand was an example of death to life, so is the church used as an example. A people who, were, who came from death to life and are now the whole healthy instrument co-laboring in the redemption plan. He's saying to his church, stand up for everyone to see you. You are my example that I am about wholeness. Either you will shine because you believed what I said, or you will stay in your current condition. The first works, the best work, is to believe God on his word. You see, when Jesus said, stretch out your hand, this was a command. And I want us to think about this command, because how can Jesus ask a man who was hopelessly incapable to obey him. Stretch out your paralyzed hand. Sure. (laughs) How can Jesus make me like him? Well, the prescription for your condition from our physician, I can't say that word properly, is in the command. Every command he gives you is your prescription. You either, you either take what he's giving you or you self-medicate and stay as you are. Right? See, the moment this man believed, he was enabled. That hand was instrumental 
Not to his purpose that he might have thought, yay, now I'm a breadwinner on the earth. Yay, I can provide for my family. No, 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 the bread of life (laughs) has just given you a purpose in his redemptive plan. First to make you whole and then to use you. It's a quality of life that Christ wants to give us. That is eternal life. And the prescription is in his healing. We must believe that Jesus is our complete source of life, a life of wholeness and health. This was a conversion, a regeneration, and a new birth, a call to be whole, to be made whole, to be reconciled with the source of life. And listen, guys, there is no wondering that this work happened on the Sabbath. Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. Seven means completion. And the seven I am's, the bread of life, the light of the world, the way, the truth, we can go on. Seven, he's saying, I am the complete source of life who will give you complete wholeness. Are we tracking? Do we know this is what we've been hearing for the last two weeks about the complete source of life, the bread of life? That it's not about the miracles, but it's about the source. Because here the... Here's the other thing, guys. We, we are absolutely, intricately involved in the redemption plan, whether we know it or not. And we are either being used as the Pharisees who feel they are absolutely in the best condition possible because of how good they look, or we are the man with the withered hand who is now either still withered, that's an option, or who knows the redemption work in his own heart has been made whole and now sings the redemptive song. See, Jesus used this man as an example. He healed him, but he used him as an example to actually demonstrate something to the Pharisees that, hey, guys, you're involved, and my heart is for you. My heart is grieved. Listen, it doesn't say Jesus' heart was grieved for the man with the withered hand. His heart was grieved with the hardened heart. To believe in him is to partake of him. Partaking in the covenant blood of Christ is the means of being joined to God and receiving the benefits of his life. Christ is the covenant sacrifice and God's provision for our sustenance. That red letter. When we feed on him through faith, we become partakers of the divine life eternal. Through the Holy Spirit's work, we receive his life and partake of his promises. And you know what, guys? Today, that blood still speaks. It's still reaching out its hand to make us whole. Everything is withering away in front of us, but we're going from glory to glory because of Christ in us. We have the gospel. And what a beautiful sight it must have been in that synagogue to have seen that poor, withered, lifeless hand bloom and come to life. And honestly, that is like, I, I can't get enough of that. When I see people blooming and coming alive in Christ, oh my goodness. It's everything. See, the heart pumps and, the dri- and drives the blood, right? Physically, that's what happens. 
was the heart of Jesus that drove him to shed his blood on the cross. And what makes his heart palpitate should make our heart palpitate. And when his blood is in our bloodstream, we are physically moved by him. Okay, Not only to meet needs, but to look at the vessel in front of us and say, hey, you can be made whole and you can be used. You have a place and a a position in his redemptive plan now on the earth. And then you get to enjoy him for the rest of your life. See, it's more than meeting needs physically of what we're seeing in front of us. It's Christ reaching out his hand and saying, you, you who has nothing, who is hopelessly enabled, who has nothing to offer me, I give you everything, if you will trust me. Right. I'm going to finish there. I'm not going to keep on because I, I, I feel that God has spoken what he has wanted to say, and I, I don't need to keep going there. So, Father, I want to thank you for who you are, that you are good. You are good. You are wonderful. You are the source of life. You have brought us from death to life. And if we're in this room and we, we don't know this life, we have not had the gospel preached in a way that has absolutely radically taken us from death to life, then I pray today is your red letter day. <laughs> I pray that the, the, the blood-stained letters of Christ who has died for your life is speaking to you and that you would believe in your hearts that you have been made for wholeness and that wholeness means to have this life-giving relationship joined with the, the, the sustenance of life, the creator who saw you before the foundations of the earth, before anything ever existed. You were in a perfect condition, whole, And maybe life withered you through experiences or people. But that doesn't need to have a hold on you today. Have your way in every heart this morning, Lord, I pray. Every heart this morning, Lord. You know the condition, not condemnation. But it's such a love. It's a love to see beyond. It's a love to see in. May we get naked before you and know it's okay.